Welcome to another episode of Stat Stories. I am Chad Shanks. And I'm Justin Kabatko. Are there any records in the NBA that are truly unbreakable? And if so, which ones are they? So join us for episode 17, Unbreakable. Fascinating transition. All right, Justin, so as you no doubt are aware, Russell Westbrook is currently averaging a triple-double. As the time that we're recording this, it is halfway through December of the 2016-17 season, and he is at 31-11-11 with 12 triple-doubles already on the season. It's crazy that we're even bringing this up as a discussion that he could theoretically go an entire season averaging a triple-double, which hasn't been done since Oscar Robertson in the 1961-62 season. So, Justin, your your thoughts. How uh, how optimistic are you that he can keep this up for an entire year? Well, okay, so someone asked me this before the season. Someone works with us. You know, what are the chances that Westbrook's going to average a triple-double this year? And I was like, he's not going to do it. It's like 1% chance. And I, the reason I said that at the time was because I think his career high in rebounds coming into the season was like 7.8 per game. And so I thought he would really struggle with the rebounding part of it. But as we've seen over the first couple of months here, um, he's not struggling with the rebound part. He's rebounding extremely well. He's rebounding like you would expect a power forward to rebound, really. And uh, so at this point, I, I would... He's to me. He's above fifty percent to average a triple double this year. Yeah, and who's? Um, I think you posted this on Twitter the other day using the StatMuse search. I mean, there's only been like one or two players since sixty one, sixty two who who have even come close, right? To to average. Yeah. So a so Oscar did it once, and he came close a few other times. And Magic in nineteen eighty one, eighty two averaged like nine and a half rebounds, nine and a half assists per game. I forget the exact numbers, but around there. And those are the guys, the only two guys that have been double figures in points and then nine-plus rebounds and nine-plus assists per game. So, it, you know, even coming close is an achievement because it hasn't happened very often. Before we get into what this whole podcast is going to be about, about unbreakable records in the NBA and which, which ones we think are, are truly untouchable and why, uh, we have to find a way to quantify the the unquantifiable, which is our our own opinions on how unbreakable a record is, because it's not as just cut and dry and black and white as saying it's unbreakable or it's not unbreakable. There are degrees to this. There are levels of unbreakability to some of these records. So I've invented what I'm calling the Kimmy Schmidt scale based on the great Netflix show, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which I just found out. As I pitched this idea to Justin, he has never watched the show, so a lot of the, a lot of the fun is going to be lost on him on ranking this based on Kimmy Schmitz. So here's how we're going to do this: if we talk about a record and we want to know how unbreakable is it, we're going to rank it on a scale from one to three Kimmy Schmitz, with one Kimmy Schmidt being, this is a great record, but I can I can see it being broken. I can very easily see it broken. Two Kimmy Schmitz is, I don't really see this broken. Maybe, maybe it could be broken one day, but I, I don't think it's very likely. And then three Kimmy Schmitz, is, this is completely unbreakable. No one's ever touching this. So Justin, even without no, getting all the references to Kimmy Schmidt, do you, do you understand our scale that we're working with? Yeah, but okay, the statistician in me is going to say that for three... I'm just going to say extremely, extremely, extremely unlikely. I would never say something is not going to happen. So 
If I do give a three, I'm not going to say it's never going to happen. I just say I can't see this happening. All right, you're just covering your, a- covering your ass there. <laughs> That's what statisticians do, man. We covering your ass. Probabilities, but... no certainties. Yeah, because someone's going to come back years later and say, um, you gave this three, Kimmy Schmitz, and as we've seen, it was you were erroneous. Like No one's going to call you out on your Kimmy Schmitt-ifying of a record. Oh, you don't know how many enemies, how many enemies <laughs> I have. All right, but that's what we're going to do. So we're going to rank this on Kimmy Schmidt scale. So, for example, how unbreakable is triple-double, averaging a triple-double in well, a season? Obviously, it's a one, given what Westbrook is doing. So, I mean... So I, I'm a, I guess I'm a little more skeptical that he's going to be able to to keep it up for a whole season. I, I might I might range more towards two Kimmy Schmitts on this one. I don't... It's it's so hard to do, and it's so hard to sustain for that for an entire season, especially if the Thunder start to waver a little bit in the spring and um, are struggling to get a playoff spot. I mean, I could see him starting to slip, but Oscar, if we're going to stick with Oscar Robertson just for a second. So Robertson also had uh, 41 total triple-doubles that season, which is currently the record. Second highest is Wilt at 31 so 10 fewer russell westbrook led the league last season with just 18 triple doubles and that was amazing like we were all we were all blown away by that because in recent years that's the the biggest explosion we'd seen it's a one kimmy schmidt that he's going to surpass that this year his 18 but what do you are there do you think anyone's ever going to come close to 41 triple doubles in a season what does russ have right now 12 or 13 yes 12 okay is it a different answer than the averaging a triple double? Yeah, yeah. No, th- this one is a two for me. Yeah, I would say I would say so as well. Leaning, kind of leaning three, because like you yeah, said, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe two and a half. Yeah, yeah. The second one is Wilt Chamberlain, who we're gonna get into in a second. We're gonna get the Wilts out of the way first because most of our unbreakables are gonna have his name attached to it. But uh, yeah, if he's couldn't even come within single digits of this, I'd. I mean, Russell Westbrook, you're great, but you're not Wilt Chamberlain numbers great. Um, And then finally, Robertson has 181 career triple-doubles. Magic Johnson is currently second with 138. Westbrook, for all of his uh, amazingness, is only at 49. So he still has a way to go. Can you envision Westbrook keeping this up for enough years to where he can surpass 181 career triple-doubles? Probably not, but I'll give this a two and a half. Uh, I'm gonna give it a three. I don't think, I don't think this one's touchable at all. Um, and so one thing I, th- one thing I kind of think with my records, the way I kind of look at it, if it's, and maybe you disagree with this, if it's a single game mark, I'm a little more lenient with it because it's almost like anything can happen on any given night, right? Like anything crazy can happen for one game but the ones where it's a career numbers like where you have to sustain it for 15 20 seasons or something like that to me those those are the marks that i'm a little more skeptical about being broken do you have any any thoughts on that or do you just take it take each one with its with its as its own merit i mean for the most part i agree i don't think wilt's records for points and rebounds in a game are gonna fall anytime soon yeah all right let's let's get yeah, let's get into Wilt. Let's get the Wilts out of the way because I think he has quite a few that it's it's not we're not even going to be able to argue about it. It's just unbreakable all the way. So you said, all right, points in a game, 100. 
rebounds in a game was it 50 how many two 52 55 55 geez so the, the the 55 rebounds the only guy who's come within 20 rebounds of that total in the last 30 seasons is charles oakley who got 35 in a game yeah within 20 both both of those are three kimmy schmitz yeah yeah the points in the game too yeah 100 kobe's the closest with 81 that's I can't see a guy scoring 100 points. Yeah, and Kobe, like, um, I went back and watched highlights of that game not too long ago. I, um, I think we did, like, some kind of Kobe blog piece when he, uh, he retired. And, like, the game was insane, right? I don't even see how someone could keep up that scoring pace and much less do it with 19 more points. Like, I don't even see how it's how it's possible. And Yeah, I mean, like, think, think about it this way. Like, say Steph goes nuts. And hits 23s in a game. That's 60 points. He still needs to come up with 40 more points. You know, I mean, that's just, it's just insane. Yeah, and we don't really, we don't have a shot chart from that game. So, I mean, Chamberlain, was he just, I, I don't, there's so little account of that game and how it actually happened. Was he just catching the ball right at the basket and just, he had a four foot person defending him and he's just dumping it in? Like, I don't even see from a timing perspective, even if, they did a. He just snowbirded the entire game, and they got rebounds and threw it down to him. Like how you could even reach a hundred points in a game. Well, I mean, but you're also like you're not taking into account the pace. Like the pace of the game back then was so much faster than it is today. I mean, teams today take about eighty-five shots per game each. If you go back to sixty-one, sixty-two, they were taking like one hundred and five shots per game. So that's a lot more scoring opportunities. Than there, than there are today. Well, so why is that? Why is the pace uh, back back in this back in the day so much higher, so much faster than it is today? Because to me, it just kind of like flies in the face of the way I perceive things. Right? That is, as the game gets better in the future, that's going to get faster, and they're going to score more. But like, why was that back in Chamberlain's day that they were playing at so much more of a, a faster pace? I'm not sure exactly. I mean, one thing is, I think the the types of athletes who pl- who are playing basketball are probably much, much, much better than they were back in the early 60s. Better athletes will tend to be better defenders. Better defenders, it's harder to find a shot, that sort of thing. I, that's, that's the only thing I can come up with. So, like, if we look at some of Wilt's other records that we can talk about... Um, one that I give a hard, a hard three Kimmy Schmitz is his um, his record for points per game in a season, where he averaged fifty point four in the nineteen sixty one sixty two season. Uh, I don't think that's ever going to be touched by anyone. Um, the only he has three, the three highest uh, scoring averages in a season with um, Elgin Baylor is the only one that comes close to him at thirty eight point three in sixty one sixty two. Closest modern eras, Jordan had 37 in uh, 86, 87, Kobe 35 in 2005. Like, these aren't even close. These aren't even close to uh, his scoring average in a season. Now, now, yeah, right. Now, if you if you pace adjust them, they get a little bit closer, but they're not all the way up to 50. Like, probably Kobe's average pace adjusted would be over 40 points per game. But, I mean, so... The average fan is not going to do that, right? Like, no. When I when I look at this, I just say, "Holy crap!" Will Chamberlain fifty in a season? That's insane. I don't th- I don't think about well, how to it, you know adjusting for basketball inflation, you know, and of saying, course. 
you know, saying that uh, really Star Wars sold sold more movie tickets than uh, Titanic did. Blah 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 blah. So like, no one no one does that. But is that is that something we should keep in mind? Like, is Kobe's thirty five in two thousand five two thousand six? Is it on par with Wilt Chamberlain's fifty? Just from a no, I'm dom- not saying it's on par, dominance, but like for dominating. In your era, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't really studied the issue extensively, but <laughs> but I'm, all I'm saying is it's not on par, but it's it's closer than the raw difference of 15 points would suggest. That's all. Okay. All right. What I'm sure you have some other wilts on your list that we. Well, that we no. So just on. going back to that 61-62 season, he had 45 games that year where he scored at least 50 points. <laughs> that is 14 more than any other player had in their entire career. That's insane. Isn't that insane? And uh, was was that the season he also had this streak of 65 30-point games? Because that's a record too, right? Like uh, I don't know what that exact number is. It, I'm, most of the scoring records come from that season for Wilt. Yeah, so he he also, um, to keep touching on Wilt just a little bit, His I think his career rebounds record is pretty much untouchable um, at Almost twenty four thousand. Bill Russell is second with uh, like two over two thousand fewer. The closest recent was Duncan, nearly nine thousand behind. Yeah, Rus- Russell's the only one within six thousand rebounds of Chamberlain. The only one. Like Howard is the is the current leader, and he has like eleven thousand five hundred something close to that. So I mean, he's he's not even halfway there, and Howard is not going to be playing much longer, most yeah. likely. So, and I was thinking about this, you know, like. Why are these rebounding records so untouchable? And I came up with like three reasons. One of the reasons was the pace that we already talked about. How, you know, teams are just zipping up and down the court back then. Second thing is that players played more minutes back then. Did you know Chamberlain, like in his heyday, averaged about 48 minutes per game? Like Like never came out of the game? just like never came out. Right, right. And so, you know, you would... Players today, like the leader in minutes per game is going to be maybe 38, 39 minutes per game. So there you're taking 10 minutes off that right there. And then the third reason I came up with was that teams just shot worse back then than they do now. Like the average field goal percentage back in the early 60s was about 42%. And now it's about 45%. So you have more possible rebounds. Right. So you're playing at a faster pace. You're playing almost the entire game. And there's more missed shots. So uh, to me, those rebounding records are just they're just out of sight. They're not going to be. Those are all threes. Yeah, most career um, rebounds, most rebounds in a season, most rebounds in a game. Those are all threes. So my question to you, I think you've already touched on pace a little bit, but just wondering, like, why Wilt's numbers are so head and shoulders above everyone else's, just from a number perspective? Because I don't know anyone. If you start saying who's the best basketball player of all time, like Wilt. Based on just numbers, Will Chamberlain should be number one. But, you know, everyone puts it into context. And, I, I mean, I don't know anyone who would say Will Chamberlain was the best basketball player of all time. Um, but his numbers certainly are. And I just, I'm just curious, why do you have a pretty little ribbon you can tie on it to say, like, why his, why his numbers were so much higher than anyone else's? Was he really that much better than everyone else? in his time or was he just a big fish in a small pond of little white basketball players in the 60s who like just 
couldn't stop him. You know, was he was he a grown ass man playing with a bunch of children? Well, I think no. I think part of it is that the the variance in athletic ability was much much greater in the early '60s than it is now, and so an incredible athlete like Wilt would stand out much more in that era than he would today. I mean, I think some some of those guys that were like on you know playing significant minutes for those teams, those guys probably wouldn't even be D1 college players today. Well, and so do you see his numbers and his records as kind of like maybe in the same vein like when you look at old baseball pitching records, right, where um, every starting pitcher won 30 games in a season and threw like 700 innings or some something crazy like that. Like, do you look at what Chamberlain did in the 60s and say, well... You I, have think it's, to- no, I think it's more comparable to Ruth in the 20s when, when Ruth was out-homering complete teams by himself yeah so it's not the case of it was the game was so completely different that it's not comparable to anything that happens today it's more the case of he was just so much better than anyone anyone else who was on the court that it just the level of competition was Well, no that's that's one of the factors yeah possibly the greatest factor but that's one of the factors we already mentioned the other factors like the playing more minutes faster pace those sorts of things yeah all right so you ready to move on from from Wilt? Have we already? Yeah, but you know, let, so let's let's also now touch on his uh, the other great player, other great center from that era, because there's one record I think from that era, and it's the only playoff record we're going to talk about. We're going to focus on regular season records, but we do want to mention this one playoff record, and that is the 11 championship rings won by Bill Russell. Yeah, uh, three Kimmy Schmitz. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with that as well. The only the only non Celtics. So of course the Celtics in the '60s were amazing. Won like late '50s or in the '60s won like 11 titles in 13 seasons. I think they won eight in a row. The the only non Celtic who is even close to Russell is Robert Ory, and Ory still has only seven rings compared to 11 for Russell. And Russell did it in like 13 seasons, right? Was it 11 rings in 13 seasons? Right, 11 and 13, yep. And is that was is it the same uh not asterisks, but just the same the same frame of reference as Wilt's records where they just on another level against competition that had didn't even deserve to be on the court with them? Well, I mean, you only had eight teams and you only had a couple rounds of playoffs, so it it's wasn't as hard as it is now. I mean, now you have to win four seven-game series to win a title. Yeah. So the yeah. road the road to the championship is much tougher now than it was then. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, the the game has changed in a way that makes this rule. I mean, this record impossible to ever catch. Just because, I mean, God, Robert Ory, Robert Ory was in the finals like almost every year. It seemed like on different teams and stuff like that. And even he couldn't—he he couldn't even come within real striking distance. He couldn't even fill up his second hand, like uh, like Bill Russell. And have one left over for your toe. Yeah. All right. So let's—you ready to move on? Let's uh, move on to some more records. Let's. Yeah. Let maybe start getting some more. So I want to talk more, more current players. Yeah, I want to talk about one record. This is a silly record. Okay. This is a silly one, but. It's kind of the same as Russell's uh, championships. That the the a rule change has made this record um, a hardcore three Kimmy Schmidt for me. All right, there was a there was a rule change in two thousand six that stipulated a one game suspension for each technical foul after sixteen. So that's I think gonna, I know who you're going <laughs> to talk about. Here. So 
There's one player who has an insane record, 41 technical fouls in the 2000-2001 season. You know who this guy is, right? Now this has got to be Rasheed Wallace. Ball don't lie. <laughs> Rasheed Wallace, 41 technicals in 2000-2001. So we, Stat Muse, unfortunately, does not support technical foul searches yet or questions yet. But maybe we need, I don't know if anyone would care about that. But for this record... Yeah, he's no one's gonna break this. No, because they're not gonna lose money, uh, game checks from having to sit out. Like if the rule was in effect in two thousand one, uh, Rasheed Wallace would have been suspended for twenty five games that season. So well, it, I mean, it, the the team would not have allowed him to go yeah. that far. Yeah, it's just never gonna happen again. And so when I was looking uh, looking this stuff up, I was reminded of one of my favorite Sheed moments of all time, where he gets teed up. Um, he doesn't agree with it. Of course, he never did. The player, whoever it was, goes to the line to shoot the tee, misses it, and he yells, "Ball don't lie!" on the middle in the middle of the floor. And they teed him up for yelling that, and they just got him out of there. It was so it was so funny and such a sheed moment. And uh, also that he was a coach for the uh, Pistons, assistant coach, a uh, few years ago, re- recently. And he was coaching for their Orlando Summer League team, which Orlando Summer League is one of the biggest waste of time of ever. I don't even know why they do this crap, but Rashid was getting his coaching, uh, his coaching in there, and they had the same situation. There's a technical and um, they shot the free throw, missed it. Rashid yells, "Ball don't lie!" from the bench in an Orlando Summer League game. I just, just. Don't ever change Rashid Wallace. Did he get teed up for that one? No, I think they just let it go. Everyone was laughing because it was so funny. Like, who who gives a crap enough to yell that from the bench in a summer league game? So Rashid Wallace, 41 technical fouls, 2000-2001. Three Kimmy Schmitz, never going to be touched again. Yeah, so, yeah that, that, that record by Sheed, unlikely to be broken. And I have a few that I think are unlikely to be broken as well. Are they a little are also, more substantial? A little more substantial than Rasheed Wallace technical foul records? Yeah, and, and they, actually, so there's like three of them here, and they involve one of my favorite players of all time, who I think is actually underrated by many, many people, and that's John Stockton. So Stockton's, so most people know he has the career record for assists, which is 15,806. And there is nobody within 3,500 assists of him. And Chris Paul is the active leader. He has like 8,000 fewer assists than, than John Stockton did. Yeah, that's so a little so bit of me, a road a, to go. Yeah, a little bit of a road to go. For me, that, that I can see that record falling someday, so I'll give it like a two. But it, it's not going to be falling anytime soon. Um, and, and sticking with that, that assist theme, Stockton had seven seasons where he had 1,000 or more assists. Guess how many other players have had just one season like that? Um, Magic? Nope. Really? No? Nash? Nope. nope. Scotty Skiles. <laughs> nope. Now he holds the assist record for a game. But yeah. no, the, the two guys are Kevin Porter and Isaiah Thomas, and they each did it one time. Oh, wow. So that's pretty crazy. I definitely would have like, Kevin Porter. I would have never guessed that. So to me, I'm going to call that record a three, because when he's done it seven times... Only two other guys have done it even once, and it hasn't been done in the last like twenty-something years. I, th- I think that record's gonna gonna last for a while. 
In fact, I don't see it being broken in my lifetime. Yeah, and I think also on Stockton, we can kind of get to his steals record as well because he has um, like almost 3,300 career steals, which is 581 ahead of the second place on the list, which is uh, Jason Kidd. So, right, and then Chris Paul, I think, is the active leader, but he's like 1,400 behind him. So, it, that's yeah. And so, if you take it on a rep- frame of reference, that like even in the best seasons uh, of steals, like you're averaging two steals a game, that's like the that's like the that's a really, really good number. So, you just think of how long you have to do that, like do the math, crunch the numbers if over 1,600 games. I mean, it's yeah, it's crazy, yeah. And so, just to th- I think. I don't know if if I had to rank like which one I think is more uh, unbreakable out of the his steals record or his assists record, because, like I said, I I tend to lead more towards unbreakability on these longevity records, especially with, like you see like, is there a point guard like John Stockton in the game today who is truly a pass first, facilitate first, um, point guard? Because our big name point guards today, it's Steph and Russ and. Um, Harden, who's now considered a point guard. I mean, th- these are score-first point guards. I mean, who do who do we even have that's playing the same kind of game that John Stockton had? And of course, Stockton. Well, yeah, dunked. no, no one played the same game he did. I mean, you do have guys like like John Wall, or um, well, but Colin Cowherd told me that John Wall did the Dougie one time, so he's a trash player. So I learned okay, that. So I learned that from Colin Cowherd, who's. You know, on on point analysis told me that. All right. Well, I can't can't argue with that. Yeah. So I don't know if I. All right. So assist his career assist. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give it a two, and the assist. I'm gonna give a two as well. Even though, like, it's just hard to. It's these are possible, right? They they're possible because like every once in a. You're saying that a, like a truly game-changing player is never going to come around if you say that these records are unbreakable because no one could have predicted Steph Curry coming along and just shattering all the the records that he has in the last couple seasons for three pointers. So it's I mean it's very possible to say that there's going to be someone come along that's an assist wizard like John Stockton. But even Chris Paul, who TV has told me was born to assist. I mean, he's just now approaching 8,000 assists, which is, you know, almost half of what John Stockton ended up with. So I don't, I don't know. The, the Stockton one is 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 tough for me. I don't know where I don't know where to place this. I don't know how to how to think about it because it's so impressive. But I still somehow is it because I'm doubting John Stockton like so many others do doubt his his greatness. Everyone yeah, says think- magic. Yeah, everyone says Magic's the best point guard. Of all time, right? Well, no, I wouldn't put I wouldn't put Stockton above Magic, but I, I think Stockton is absolutely a top twenty player all time. Top twenty, top twenty. Is it so why why with these numbers with these records like why not top ten? Is it just because he he didn't score? Is it because he didn't win championships? Why why isn't John Stockton on more people's so called Mount Rushmore of great players? Because he didn't win a title. No, but I mean, start thinking about the guys ahead of him, and, and you can answer your own question. I mean, he's yeah. obviously not Jordan. He's not Russell. He's not Chamberlain. He's not Robertson. He's not Magic. He's not Bird. He's not Duncan. He's not, you know, lots of other guys. But he is, to me, a top 20 player. All right, so 
I have kind of a here's a rough segue. All right, do some of these records do we do we attribute some of these career records? Do, are they more about longevity than anything else? Um, so like Stockton, yeah, he has all these career numbers, but is it just just due to how many games that he that he played? It doesn't really mean he was better than Magic, more so that he just had more more time on the court than Magic, which kind of leads me to a record that. I want to talk about which is uh, Robert Parrish playing in 1600 career games. Um, the next closest behind him is Kareem, uh, 50 games behind him. The highest active is Dirk at uh, 1300 behind him, and Dirk is no, 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 he... not 1300 behind him. Oh yeah, sorry, 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 1300 total. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Okay, Dirk has 1300, 300 behind him. My bad, and. Um, Dirk Dirk's not going to get anywhere close to that because Dirk can't even find the court this season. Like it sadly looks like Dirk is starting to wind down. Garnett even retired uh, at fourteen hundred, fifth most. So still, you know, a whole three seasons almost worth behind Robert Parrish. Um, I give I give this record three Kimmy Schmitz because no, I, I give it two and I give it two and a two. Really. Yeah. Because here's here's my thought on this because I think players have so many more post basketball options today than than they used to. Like there's more there's more incentive or reasons to to hang it up, right? Because there, there are more options for them to do. They can Kobe's going into whatever his production crap that he's doing, go into broadcasting, go into coaching. There's so many different avenues for them to go once they do hang up hang up the shoes. So I don't I Robert Parrish just played forever but but the other side of that too is that they're starting earlier than they did i mean you're a lot of guys now are coming into the league at 19 20 years old and that wasn't as common back then really i thought i mean when parish was coming in the league were they all going four years college i I mean i was thinking with all the like the one and done rule that they would actually be coming into the league later now Look in the 80s. Patrick Ewing spent four years at Georgetown. Akeem Olajuwon spent three years at Houston. Jordan spent three years at North Carolina. I mean, a lot of guys were staying three, four years in college. Yeah. <clears throat> well, let's not get into that debate. No, I'm not, yeah, I don't want to get into that debate. I'm just saying college, that I, the college you know, these debate. guys are starting earlier, and so therefore have a chance for uh, longevity that their predecessors may not have had. Can I give you a... I'm going to give you a hot take real quick. You want an unrelated unasked for hot take it depends what <laughs> what college basketball is unwatchable garbage oh stop it is terrible the tournament's okay. fun but before that oh my god how long can you just sit there five feet behind the three-point line and just throw the ball back and forth it is unwatchable garbage that's we'll my hot to, we'll that's we'll my college basketball hot take son we'll have to agree to disagree on that one all right, let's move. <laughs> let's move on. You want to do a college basketball uh, podcast? I know very little, but I still have strong opinions. Can we just finish this one first? Goodness. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there might not be another one after this one. All right. Yeah. This one might just. Everyone's turned it off by this point. All right. All right. I just suggested Robert Parrish, hardcore th- uh, three Kimmy Schmitz for me, two Kimmy Schmitz for you. What's next on your list? So this one is maybe a little obscure, but. Do you know the only guy who had over 200 steals and 200 blocks in the same season? Um, all right, so my first reaction is Akeem. That's my first thought. That, okay, that's right. Is it right? 
Oh, okay, yeah. good. All right, man. So, uh, All right, I'm I, getting trivia questions. Akeem did that in 88-89. Okay. Only guy ever to do that. In fact, if you even go all the way down to 150 steals and 150 blocks, the only guy other than Olajuwon to do that was Bobby Jones, and he did it back in 76-77. Yeah, that's crazy. So no one has come close to repeating that. No yeah, one came so close to doing it before Olajuwon did it. So I think 200 steals, 200 blocks in the same season, I'm going to give that a two and a half. Yeah, I I think I agree with you on that. It kind of leads me to one that I have on my list, which is um, Mark Eaton's record for most blocks per game in a season. In uh, 84-85, he averaged 5.6 blocks per game. Only one other player has averaged at least five in a season, which was Minute. Um, shameless podcast plug. We have a great Minute Bowl episode you can go back and listen to. But the highest since 2000 is Theo Ratliff, um, who averaged 3.7 in just 50 games. Um, Hakeem, uh, his highest was 4.6, Matumbo 4.5. I mean, are there really any more dominant shot blockers like there no, used to be? Well, no, okay, here's the problem. There are dominant shot blockers. The problem is, and it's not really a problem, but the issue is the three-point shot. Uh, yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. I mean, back when Eaton set that record, mid-'80s, it was not nearly utilized as much as it is now. In fact, if you go back and look at like the three-point numbers from the mid-'80s, you'll kind of laugh. Yeah. Um, and obviously, shots near the basket are easier to block than three-point shots. No, nobody really takes a three-point shot when they're closely covered. Yeah. Right? But if, if you're five feet from the hoop, you'll, you'll, you'll take the risk of having your shot blocked to go up and, and, and try to uh, score. So... With the advent, with the three-point shot just exploding in in popularity, being used all the time, I don't think that record will fall anytime soon. I'm gonna give it a three. Yeah, I'm gonna give that a hardcore three. Kimmy Schmitz as well. The Hassan Whiteside led the league last year with three point seven, and he's down to like two point four this season. So it seems like even in the recent history, the you know, shot blocking dominance is is going down. It's just not the game has changed. It's not what it used to be. So yeah, Mark Eaton, you big, uh, you big uh, Sasquatch looking mofo. You're you're gonna you're gonna be safe in the record books for a while. Hey, so real quick, just a follow up to the Eaton thing. Um, so there's a statistic called block percentage, which is an estimate of the percentage of two point shots that you block while you're on the floor. And so okay. this sort of normalizes for opportunities, right? So in Eaton's record-setting year, his block percentage was 8.7%. Hassan Whiteside last year actually blocked 9.7% of opponent two-point shots while he was on the floor. Oh, wow, really? So that, that just tells you how, you know, the, the three-point shot is really skewing things there. Oh, well, that, you know, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't think about that. So maybe I'm being way too generalistic when I'm saying there aren't... Uh, there aren't any dominant shot blockers anymore. I mean, right, exactly. That's what White's, I'm saying. Is that, yeah, is that... White's, yeah, Whiteside is dominating with the uh, the opportunities that he's getting. You learned something today. Oh my God, I wouldn't have done it if I'd have known that going in. I'm just here to make you think what I think. That's that's the whole point of this podcast. It's to make you dumber. Yeah, All right, you're doing you're doing a good job. Hey, I take that as a compliment. All right, so I want to I want to pitch another one to you that I think is. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and tease it as a three. Three Kimmy Schmitz. A.C. Green is uh, the NBA's Iron Man. He played... Wait, wait, wait. I know this record. Do you know, do you know the number? Longest time being a virgin in the NBA. 
That that is the record. Yes, he okay. he went without sex for fourteen point five seasons, and the the record for an NBA player going without sex uh, once they start their NBA career is three and a half minutes. So he uh, he went a long long time without sex in the NBA. So kudos to him. No one will ever match that record again, unless like someone comes in with some kind of like injury down there that prevents them. Yeah, but no one else. <laughs> No one else is going to touch this record. All right, but All right, let's, his, let's get to the real record you want to talk about. Actual, I think I know which one it is. His actual record is his streak of consecutive games played. All right, so I haven't I haven't quizzed you with any um, trivia yet. This one, this because they're always way too easy, and you always get them. So, do you know that? Can you name the number off the top of your head? The number of consecutive games that he played. I think it's over a thousand, isn't it? It is over a thousand. Yes, thousand forty-five or something like that. Is one thousand one hundred and ninety-two? Okay, straight games. That if you, I was just if you would have gotten that one, then I really would have started worrying about you. Like if you and can, he, he crushed the previous record, right? I mean, like the previous record was in the eight hundreds or something like that. Do you know? Uh, no, I didn't get that. I didn't. Okay, know. I think it was Randy Smith, and I think it was like in the eight hundreds or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I I tried to stump you with an impossible question. And you're like, ah, oh, well, let me double down and just throw some more trivia just to prove that I still got it. No, that's. Uh, yeah, he's the Cal Ripken of the NBA. I don't think anyone's anyone's going to ever come close to that. Um, and that has to do a lot with the... This is a bad word, but I think you get what I mean by it, just the, the commodification of players today, um, where you know that these how valuable these guys are. And so, so if a guy has a, a pulled hammy, you're going to sit him for a couple games so he doesn't go out there and make it worse, and then you end up throwing your... $20 million investment or whatever it is down the toilet. So, yeah, another example of how but they... But not, not, even, not even injuries. I mean, like, for example, the Cavaliers are going to leave their big three, Kyrie, LeBron, and Love. I believe they're just going to stay home when they go play Memphis. I mean, like, or, and that's the Popovich thing, right? Where, yeah, where you take your you take your stars and you, you randomly rest them throughout the season. Yeah, and it seems to work. It's, it's It seems to work. I'm surprised more teams haven't... Haven't jumped on that. Okay, I, I only have one more really that I want to talk about here, and then maybe you have another one. I don't know, but the last one I wanted to, to bring up was um, the most steals in a season, and that's Alvin Robertson, who had 301 in 1985-86, and no one has come close to that in a long time. The only guy who's come within 50 steals of that was Stockton in 88-89, and one of the reasons, and I'm going to give this one a two and a half. Leaning three. I'll say two and a half, though. And I think the rule changes might make this one really, really difficult to break. And that's because of the emphasis on reducing the uh, hand-checking by defenders. Yeah. Like, in, in Robertson's time, mid-'80s, the, the rules were not nearly as strict as they are today. And so I would imagine that played a role in Robertson piling up so many steals. Yeah, I hadn't thought about Yeah, I hadn't thought about that one. Um yeah, that seems like a pretty insane number. I'm going to go... I, I would think that's a three as well, don't you think? Just because of the, the changing nature of the game? Nah, I'm going to go... Like I said, I'm going to go two and a half. Leaning three, but I'll go two and a half. Yeah, I think that's a good number. I kind of want to close on on the record. The the NBA record, which is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's um, 38,000 career points. Um, Malone retired, um, needing 1,500 to catch him. Kobe was still 5,000 back. LeBron's about 11,000 back. 
um, would need around like six to eight seasons of playing somewhere close to the level he's playing now in order to catch him. Is is Kareem's record, career record of points untouchable to you? No, not untouchable. But I, I would give it a two. I, it's not, I don't think it's going to fall anytime soon, but it will fall in my lifetime, I believe. Really? Is LeBron the one to do it? I don't know if it's LeBron, but somebody. I, I don't know who. I mean, I, if I could predict who, I would. I could be a rich man at some point. But So how old is LeBron? He's 33, 32? So, yeah, I guess you're right. He would need six to eight seasons. You're talking about 38, 40 years old. It's possible. It's possible LeBron could be the one to do it. I don't know. To me, it goes back to the... The longevity thing, like LeBron, LeBron can retire whenever he wants and still make millions and millions of dollars a year doing whatever the hell he wants. I don't know if he's going to want to stick around that long. I don't. I don't know. I'm not in LeBron's inner circle. I do not know what his post uh, retirement plans are. But because how, how many seasons Kareem? I said he he's played the second most games, right? Like right behind Robert Parrish. So he played an insane amount of games. He had like his game was not was Im- almost immune to um, like athletic the decline in athleticism, right? I don't That's know. That's because he had the unstoppable shot, the skyhook. Yeah. yeah, it just seemed like this is the record that, that that's there to be broken, right? Like this this is the record that that has to fall at at some point in our lifetime. Like the the home run record in baseball, like it, it was it's there to be broken. Um, I'm gonna give this a I'm gonna. This is my only one of the the show. I'm gonna give it a one. I think that this this record is is made to fall. This is one Kimmy Schmidt. I think one someone Kimmy of Schmidt. one one Kimmy Schmidt. Someone is gonna eventually get it. I don't know if that's if that's LeBron or if it's some wonder kid that's gonna come along. Maybe after this podcast is long since forgotten, but this is this is the record that's that's made to go down, in my opinion. All right. So in closing. I know you hate when I do this to you, when I try to try to force you into absolutes, but of everything we've talked about, but what is the most unbreakable record um, <laughs> held by someone not named Wilt Chamberlain? Okay. If you, if you had if you had to pick if you had to pick one, what is the most unbreakable record that we talked about? That's a legit record, not Rasheed Wallace's um, technical foul nonsense. Uh, I'm gonna go. I mean, I'm gonna go with Russell. Eleven titles in thirteen seasons. That's that's that is the that is the record that will never be touched. Um, yeah, I I tend to agree with you. If it, if I had to go from like a statistical standpoint, um, Rob, maybe Robertson's 181 triple doubles. I don't know if anyone's gonna be able to have that level of overall productivity for that long again. Maybe maybe go with that one. But hey, that's the point of this podcast that. Hey, if we did this podcast uh, two seasons ago, we would have been talking about the uh, the seventy two win Chicago Bulls, right? That that oh, record I, I, was actually, untouched. Yeah, that that reminds me of something. So real quick, real quick tangent. I okay. I did some searches on Google, like you know, unbreakable NBA records, and yeah. so two two of them stunned me. One of them was the Golden State Warriors going seventy three and nine, and I'm like, you just saw this happen. What ma- and you know and the, and the previous record was what twenty years old. What makes you think it's unbreakable? And then the second was Steph's three point record, which is whatever four hundred and something. And again, I was like, 
you just saw him do this. What makes you think he yeah. couldn't do it again? Like he's, not gonna, he's not going to break it this season. Well, I mean, maybe sharing the ball with KD is going to change that. But, yeah, the, any three-point record is in, incredibly breakable right now. Like, we didn't talk about Ray Allen because Steph is going to break it. Like, it's just a matter of time. And then if people are still shooting threes like crazy, um, someone's going to break Steph's record in a couple years. Yeah, that that that's dumb. So anyway, sorry. I, I, I was... I ruined your, your your fine closing there so go ahead and finish wrapping this up no i was butchering the hell out of this closing i didn't know where i'm gonna land this thing I'm just kind of going seeing where it takes us but yeah that's records are made to be broken but a couple of records that who i think we both agree are are further on the kimmy schmidt scale than others so if anything if you take anything from this podcast uh don't worry about all the interesting things Justin taught you about how the game has changed from a pace perspective or how, you know, block shots are not, not as uh, prevalent as they are today as they used to be because of the three-point shot. Like, all those things that he taught you, don't worry about them. Not important. The main thing you need to learn from this is how to rank things based on related TV characters. I think that's the most important thing that we learned today. And I want to ask you, like, tomorrow, I'm going to say, Justin, how was your day? And I don't want you to say fine. I want you to say, uh, it was two Omars from The Wire. And I will know exactly what you mean by that. I was like, oh, well, I'm having a three Omar day myself. And then we can just go on and we don't even have to. Everyone has a frame of reference to relate everything in life. And so I'm pretty proud of myself for introducing that to the world today. I give this podcast a... Uh, Two and a half jacks from Lost. <laughs> Is that good or bad? I don't even know. Because Jack's pretty polarizing. Some people really like Jack and some people really didn't like Jack. Well, I think the podcast started off really interesting and then got convoluted in the middle and then we really just botched the ending. So, it's very well, lost. Well, we're going to disagree there because I, I very like lost the Lost quality. ending. I'm one of those people who like what? the What? You like the... Sitting in a church and going off into the light in the non the nonsense sideways world. Oh my god. All right. Next episode, nothing but debating lost and whether or not the ending was terrible. All right. Thank you for listening. We're getting way off topic here, but that's if you've been listening to multiple episodes, you know that that's pretty much par for the course for us. So thank you very much for listening. If you're listening to this downloading on iTunes, I downloaded on iTunes or something like that, be sure to check out blog.statnews.com. We're going to put some stat news uh, results for some of these records on there. So until next time, thank you for listening. This has been another episode of Stat Stories. Fascinating transition. Damn it!